The Maple Leafs drop game four to Tampa Bay in the series. Heads back to Toronto, tied at two games apiece. Could there be some seeds of doubt starting to be planted here in Toronto's mind? Let's chat about it today on Locked on Leafs. Your Locked on Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. There are some concerning trends going on here, David, and we will chat about them tonight as the Maple Leafs fall five uh, or seven to three to Tampa Bay in Game Four. I'm Mike DeStefano from Locked On Leafs, your host from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. Got Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also writer for the NHLPA. You're listening to Locked On Leafs, a daily Maple Leaf centric podcast. So be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also find us up on YouTube for the video version. Uh, and today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online it's where the game starts and uh dave if you would have placed the wager on the maple leafs uh, winning tonight's game would have cost you some money and uh they just really didn't they just came out flat at the end of the day came out flat they spotted the tampa bay lightning a three nothing lead eight minutes into the game and it was curtains that that's the disappointing part that not only did they come out flat but at three nothing they were just like yeah we're done Dude, the game won by 7.30. That's typically when puck drop has been for the rest of the series. Like, it's frustrating. It's so frustrating because, you know what? I don't blame a lot of Leafs fans who are at 3-0 just like, yeah, I know. I'm done. Like, I'm not watching this. I don't blame you one bit because, I mean, we have to watch the whole thing. <laughs> but um, I don't blame it, it didn't get better. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. It, after 3-0, it didn't exactly improve. Um, so I think. Yeah, this this it's just so it's it's the word I want to use was pathetic. Like and I thought, man, is that strong? But you know what? It was pathetic considering how bad it got at three nothing and like and everyone knew they were done at three nothing. Like that just showed the mentality not just of the Leafs fans, but Leafs fans knew that that was the mentality of the team being down at three nothing. Right. And like, it's just such a squandered opportunity. You know, they went into Tampa in game three, played an excellent game, got the victory. You're up 2 one. You got the momentum in yours, in your hands. If you win this game, you're up three, one sitting pretty going back to Toronto. Instead, you come out in the first 30 minutes, you get pushed around and bullied. You end up allowing a goal in the first two minutes of the hockey game. And then you take a, a penalty and like, it just really, it just ended up going uh, downhill quickly, David, downhill quickly. I'll say this early on. It's just like Justin Hall fails to clear the puck. Puck stays in Tampa ends up scoring 10 seconds later, a bad bounce off of Muzzin stick puck goes out into the, into the slot period where Belmar boom, scores and i was sitting there thinking like oh my god this isn't our night just not your night and it really wasn't but then the stars just didn't come to play either no. you know and, and that's where you just shake your head and you're like man there's been a lot of discourse about this team and how this year's different and how matthews and marner they have really shown that they can play 
in these big time moments. You know, they're going towards one goal and that's making it through and have a successful playoff run. Dude, they both had one shot tonight and were dash three. Not good enough out of those guys. We didn't even get to Tavares and Nylander. But at the end of the day, like the Stars, man, they got to show up for this team if they have any chance in hell even coming close to ending this 18-year drought. I mean, you you were what did Coach Sheldon Keefe say was the reasoning for why he started um, Kasha, Camp, and Engvall to start the game? Because they're pretty – Pretty damning words uh, if I'm one of those, you know, top six players, either Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander. I would hate to hear this come out of my coach's mouth, but I tell you what, I'm not disagreeing with it. Go ahead. Tell the good they were the best line in our last game we played. And it's not wrong. No. It's not wrong at all. David Camp, Pierre Engvall, McKay, they had a terrific game, right? Like those guys, it was McKay, sorry, not Kasha. But they had a terrific game. And, like, he's not wrong, but at the same time, that can't be the case two games in a row. If you if you know that you're not starting game one or you're not starting this game on the, at the first shift, that's got to be a message to your team, Matthews and Marner, no? You know what I mean? Like, you're the, you're the road team. You get to dictate who you want to start the game, and then they make their matchup based off of that. And you said, we want to send out our third line. That's that's how you want to start your your game? Really? Is that how like much how little you believe in Matthews and Marner? And I don't know if that's the case, but I thought that it was pretty damning. And then Matthews and Marner or Tavares or Nylander didn't really show up to prove him wrong either in Game Four. Yeah, like the Stars got a hall pass in Game Three because they won, and because cool. they didn't really need to do much because the other guys showed up. But you no, know, I I this is a case also where. Sheldon Keefe rewarding the third line for the start. I'm just like, man, it's the playoffs. Get your best players out there. Like I'm all for giving the morale boost of the third line, but the third line doesn't need the morale boost. Your stars need to be feeling good. Your stars need to get going. They were, they weren't good in the last game. We even talked about that. uh, Go ahead. Kevin Kevin Bieksa had a really good line in the first intermission who says, Look, he started, He thought that was a mistake by by Sheldon Keefe. You want to start Matthews and Marner first. Get your star players their touches coming off of a game where they didn't get much, right? They haven't been able to get anything going because of the parade to the penalty box on both sides throughout the entire series. At least let, let them start the game and see if they can try and do something right off the hop, and you didn't, and it ended up coming in to, to bite you eventually, I suppose. I'd be shocked if Game Five Matthews and Marner aren't the guys starting that game out on the ice because this was a misstep. And and uh, look, I, I agree, got to get those guys their touches because seems going nowhere. If if those two are are held out the score sheet for a third straight game, that that just can't happen. Can't happen. No, and like well, that's it's been a theme for, for a lot of the playoffs for a lot of teams. It's not just the Leafs that are having this problem of with some of their stars not getting on the ice a lot. We've heard, I've heard it from a lot of other coaches because not every star player plays in all situations. And when you have as many penalties as we've seen so far, you're not going to see the stars get out there as much. Cause yeah. Matthews doesn't play the penalty kill, nor do we want him to play the penalty kill. Like for, for some people where it's like, ah, Matthews doesn't play in all situations. I don't want Matthews blocking shots. Yeah, he can trust me. He yeah. can. He doesn't. There's a difference. This is not about Matthews is not able to play the penalty kill. 
you do not want him to play the penalty kill. I, this is why we never wanted Marner to play the penalty kill in the first place, because one shot block off the foot, which we saw, uh, I think it was in the last game, off the foot. I don't really want to see Mitch Marner taking a blast off the foot. He was fine, but that's that's part of the reason why you don't want to see those guys playing in those situations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you think of the lack of killer instinct talk that's now kind of creeping back up into play after it's now two games in a row now where they've had, or two games in game two and in game four in this series where they've had an opportunity to build on their lead and they've come out and just got ran out the building, both in game two and game four, stemming off a win, a chance to extend it to, to a two game lead in the playoffs. Uh, Elliot Freeman put out a, a, a statistic that the Maple Leafs are one in eight after taking a series lead um, since 2017. One and eight since taking a series lead since 2017. And I think the one win came last year in, in Montreal after they were up 2-1 and they won 3-1 or they won 3-1. You know and then we know what happened after that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like since 2017, just once have they been able to close a game after coming off of a big win, essentially. And that's that lack of killer instinct that people talk about that this team themselves talked about a lot at the end of last year and at the beginning of this year. And that was what was going to be different, but you've been in a situation where you're now Oh, for two in that circumstance against Tampa. Now the lightning, they have gone now 16 straight games where they have not lost two games in a row. So it's going to be tough to do that against this team, but at least make it close, at least make it a fight. You're not, you're getting absolutely dummied in both of these games. Yeah, see, like, when it comes to the killer instinct part, I remember when the Leafs were up 3-2 on Boston. They had a chance to close it out at home in a game six. What happened? They lost to Boston and went game seven in Boston. I said after that game six, I said, they really, you know, screwed the pooch on that one. Like, they, those are games you have to win if you, if you want to make things easier for yourself. Montreal, we know what happened there. I'm not revisiting that. This time around, is it isn't it game six? Is that not the game that Muzzin or uh Brody scored two to bring it to overtime? Then they lost an OT, yeah, yeah, yeah. off the Dermot. Dermot uh got stripped, and then yeah, I can't remember who fired that. Look, you're bringing up bad memories, Mike. We got us, we've got enough bad things happening right now, apparently. But what it, what I think it really says about the Leafs here is that the chance is there, you have the chance. To put pressure on Tampa, Tampa's going to come out swinging. Yeah, it's up to you. To, you don't have to just dodge them. You don't have to, you know, retreat. Take, take, take your lumps a little bit. I, I, I mean, do you want to bring up the Nylander clip right now? Uh, yeah, no. You know what? Let's bring it up in the next segment because okay. we got the the good, the bad, the ugly coming up, and I, I purposely haven't brought up Nylander. Because he's definitely going to show up in that segment right there. So tell you what, why uh, why don't we do that? Actually, why don't we take a quick break and we'll get back and we'll continue to dive into the Leafs' seven three loss in Game Four. But before we do, Dave, why don't you tell us about uh, one of our good friends, uh, our show sponsor? Yeah, uh, obviously uh, we're in that time now where summer's coming. The weather's getting really nice, so we're going to have to get that nutrition. We got to get that fuel and Built Bar is that perfect snack to take with you wherever you have to go, whether it's on a family vacation, throw them in your bag, your kid's knapsack. And guess what? 
you'll be fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built Bars, they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both, and it's easy. All you have to do is go to Built.com and order now. Have you tried the Built Puffs yet? We are going crazy for the Puffs. They come in crazy flavors like banana cream pie and even churro. Who doesn't want a protein bar that tastes like a churro? It's I love churros. Fantastic. It's pretty fantastic. I'll you say get that. Two things in one. And guess what? I don't think a churro is 140 calories, but guess what? The puffs, they're only 440 calories, people. Sign me up. If that's not enough flavor for you, you might want to go try the mix box. The mix box comes with 12 flavors for of bars and puffs. Some great value there. If you go and compare it to a candy bar that has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugars, and dozens of net carbs, most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. That's the big one there, Feeps. Maybe the Leafs need to get a little more protein. Maybe they need a little more Built Bar. So go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. So that is Promo code LOCK15 to get a 15% off offer over at Built.com. Welcome back into Locked on Leafs. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano. i got Dave Morrissey with me, uh, with the host here of the Locked on Leafs podcast, a daily Maple Leafs-centric podcast. Hopefully that you uh, you are enjoying the show. If it's your first time joining us, thank you so much. Hopefully you're enjoying it. And if you uh, want, hit subscribe. Hit the like button on uh, if you're watching it through uh, YouTube. Share. Leave a comment below. Let us know your thoughts on tonight's game. Let us know your thoughts on the officiating because, Dave, Boy, did I think that the officiating was horrendous, and that's where I want to start. I want to start with the ugly tonight, and then we'll go to the bad, and we'll finish up talking about something good. So we'll go with the bad news first, and then the good news afterwards, because to me, the officiating, we've gone the entire series without actually you know, slandering what's been going on on the ice with the guys in the stripes. We have been. It is what it is. You know, there's a, a standard that they're trying to set, and they're calling a lot more penalties than they do in the past. Some have been ticky-tacky, but it was at least consistent. There was no consistency tonight. And tonight was just flat out just, like, brutal. Like, honestly, it was it was just uh, – it, it ruined the entertainment factor of the game, too. I know that, you know, it was pretty much over 10 minutes into the game, but even still, it was just so stupid to watch guys parade themselves – to the penalty box time after time after time again. And for dumb, silly calls, like the one what was it Andre Kasha and Nick Paul both go to the box. There was like a tripping call and a slashing call. Mm-hmm. Neither should have been in the box. Like neither of them. Not, you know, Kasha didn't slash in my opinion. And Nick Paul didn't trip them either. Like they just kind of collided in behind the goal after the play. It is what that happens all the time. And then think about the one that like, this is a, I'm with Victor Hedman. I'd be pissed if I was him too. But Morgan Riley sprawls out on a two-on-one, does a great job to negate that play, and then ends up kind of laying a hip check on Sorelli, taking him. Uh, he goes kind of turnstile, turns over, um, left the game for a little bit, did return though. And then a few minutes later, Victor Hedman does a similar play to Mitch Marner, but he gets called for for a tripping and Morgan Riley did not. He's like, what do you, that's the same play. What do you mean? And like, that's, that's me sticking up for Victor Hedman. It's just that type of inconsistency and just absolutely dumb penalties. And then of all the the small, minor, mini infractions that you're calling throughout the game, 
And then the melee that ensued between uh, Braden Point and Morgan Riley at the end of the game, where Point, a nonsense whack on the on the hands of Riley, and then a big old cross check. And you're not gonna you're not gonna penalize that. Like, I know it was only like 30 seconds left in the game at that point. It really wouldn't have mattered. But like of all the things that you let go that night, that's not one of them. Like to me, that totally should have been what got let go. Even like Pierre Engvall, what, what did Pierre Engvall get a 10 minute misconduct for Brandon Hagel dropped the gloves and grabbed him. And Engvall just stared there and, and, and stared at him literally didn't do anything. And they both got tossed with a 10 minute misconduct. Again, the game was over at that point, but like, it's just so stupid. The, the officiating in in today's game and it just slowed everything down and, it just made it a slog. Like the game was already out of hand and it was just already, you know, just a, a butt kicking from the lightning. And it just made it so much longer and worse mm. seeing all these Maple Leafs go, uh, go to the box. And look, it is what it is, I suppose. But I mean, it was a eight penalties tonight. The Maple Leafs took now they killed off seven of the eight. So, you know, hats off to the PK, but still you, it's just so silly. You never, ever, ever want to see a game in which one team's taken eight penalties and half of them, in my opinion, weren't even penalties. It was just bizarre, stupid, ugly, ugly officiating tonight. There's been, uh, this is the thing we, we have gone on the officials in past years for not making calls. Now, apparently there's a bunch of calls being made. It's the lack of consistency. I, you know, I, I really want to, it's really hard at times to grasp which team has the advantage when there's so much time spent on special teams, right? And, you know, the Leafs, do they have a good power play? Yes, they do. But at the same time, I want to see the Leafs at their best on five on five, right? We want to, we've seen them play really well at five on five, but then you're taking all these penalties and it's taking the stars out of the game. Um, I, you know, the, um, they brought it up during the intermission too. Like they want to see the best players on the ice. And it's look, this is not the Leafs complaining. I'm sure. I mean, I, I, I uh, edited a column for Sportsnet from Eric Francis about how the flames would love to play more at five on five, but they find themselves being (laughs) in the penalty box quite a bit against Dallas. Um, There's so many teams that would love to get more opportunities at five on five. You know what? Um, it's so hard for the refs because they're trying their best to make the calls even, but man, like it, it, it's the ticky tacky ones that you hate to see, right? It's the ones where you're just like, that's, that's a penalty. Like, yeah, like the, the Kasha, the clock, the Kasha, Nick Paul ones. And even the one that Engvall took the slash on Engvall late in the game, it's like, really? Like, that's a penalty. Even like Marner when he got tripped in the first period. I think that was much of a trip. I don't know. Like it was just kind of got leaned on a little bit. And I get it. Skate through like skate through contact is, is kind of what you're taught. And I guess he took a bit of a fall. So they ended up giving him a, a penalty there. But man, was there ever uh, just some some nonsense calls, I thought. But um, what was ugly to you? Is, yeah, I guess. What's ugly for you before we move on? Ugly for me, uh, man, there's so much, but it's probably the star players like that. It Everything didn't happen start happening until the game was out of reach. Yeah. And like seeing how easily the Leafs scored some of their goals, like 
the the tip in front of the power play, Jake Muzzin. Gee, Jake Muzzin blasting it and getting it through Andre Vasilevsky, who had traffic in front. I think I was the one that said that getting some bodies in front of Vasilevsky would make his life a little bit harder. Coach Morissuti should take a seat right next to uh, Sheldon Keefe and get in these guys' ears. Oh, I don't want to be Sheldon. I don't want to be sitting beside Sheldon Keefe. Right I'm going to lean in there and tell him, say, hey, get to the net, and we'll take some point shots, and they'll go in. Not even point shots. Austin Matthews, you know how much better Austin Matthews would be if he can get a shot and, you know, it, it have a little bit of traffic in front, so the Vasilevsky yeah. has to. The Vasilevsky has that guy, the closest that guy came to scoring tonight was the one he rang off the bar backhand in the first period. Did not come anywhere near close enough after that point. Yeah. So and, and again, like you, yeah. The, to, to your credit, look at the the first goal of the hockey game, right? Go look at that first goal of the hockey game with when, when it was a turnover, sure. But Kucherov slides over to Stamkos, oh, and one. guess who's literally skating right in front of Jack Campbell, screening him as Stammer's taking that shot. Big old Victor Hedman, like even a defenseman, but like he's a big boy and he knew, all right, this guy's about to shoot. Let me get in front, create some traffic and maybe Campbell won't see it in time. He won't be able to react quick enough. And then Stammer can get it by him. Look, that's what happened. And within the first minute or two of the game, the Maple Leafs were down one, nothing because they got traffic to the net. Right, like it works. It does work, and they saw it. Uh, it finally worked for Muzz. Scored his second of the series. Too late, a little too late, I would say. But yeah, I uh, I'm with you there. The the stars got to get going. Uh, which brings me to my my bad for tonight. Pull up this play by one Billy Nylander. Look, he he picked his game up in the third period. Ended up getting a couple of goals for the, for the Maple Leafs. The most nonchalant goal also I've ever seen in my life was a second one that they scored. Um, so here's a play, and is the sound on here? Yeah, I'm going to – yeah, I think the sound's okay. so, so on. Yeah, it sounds on. Right, okay, ready? perfect. So uh, this was Keith Jones, and who was doing it with Keith Jones? Oh, I can't remember the play-by-play. Guy. So, so this is the play-by-play in color. Uh, this is on TNT uh, or ESPN, whoever's doing it down the TBS. States. TBS was doing this one. And uh, this was just like a dump in and Nylander going in after the puck. And, uh, well, safe to say he didn't put much effort into it and got ripped for it accordingly by the commentators. We're making it easy on the refs. And then here's that play by William Nylander. The puck is going. He's got a chance to go get it and go... No, I'm just going to do it the next one. I, 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 I would sit the guy the rest of the game. But I, I don't know how Brett's or Talk would think about that. I know it's playoff game. It's probably easy to do it 5 nothing. Yeah. So I don't know why there was uh, like an echo on that. But anyway, it, it, it was just such a nonchalant. He's like, I'm not going in for this puck. Not a chance. Not a chance. It's like, I'm not putting my body on the line for this. And just totally held, uh, you know, held up, didn't do anything, and the puck ended up going down the other way. I mean, you heard it right there, Keith Jones. He's like, yeah, that guy should sit for the rest of the game. Like, you should sit the whole third period for that play. Um, obviously, he didn't. He went out and he scored two goals. My guess, Dave, someone showed him that play in between periods and said, you better smarten up and put put a little bit of pep in your step. Show that you care, or you will be sitting for the back half of that third period. 
I'll give you a couple of shifts to get going. And uh, if we see this again, you'll be stapled to the bench. You'll be picking blisters out your buttocks after the game. And then he picked up his play after that. Hopefully that's the wake-up call he needs, honestly, to get going. And we could see Nylander and Tavares start to pick it up for this team come game five in Toronto. It's got to happen. It's It's got to. Look, and now you get the benefit of controlling the matchup. That's that. That's the one thing you do have, and we saw like even that that second goal from Nylander, it didn't take much. No, like really, it looked easy. It's not an easy play because everything's got to work together. But like, it they didn't even have to skate all the way into the zone. Like that. That's what. That's the crazy part. It, yeah, like it, and and Sheldon Key kind of talked, kind of touched on uh, Tavares and his play, and he says it's been tough. He's been working hard, but it's been tough for him. So this is Sheldon Key basically saying it's not effort for Tavares. It's definitely something else. I think that's really what he's trying to say. Well, yeah, I mean, he probably is dealing with something. I think Most likely. It, it, it he probably is dealing with something, and it's really unfortunate. Um, he does expect a lot of himself and he should, you know, like he's, he's the captain of this team. He holds himself to a high regard, high standard, number one overall pick. He was an exceptional status player. He holds himself to a very, very high standard and he himself knows that he's not meeting it. Um, so as much as we're ripping him, he's ripping himself. I guarantee you, you know, he, he knows he's got to play better. Um, but at the end of the day, like you gotta go, go do it. John, like, go do it. And I know it's easier said than done. You know, it's it is what it is. You got a, a team on the other side that's got that that are pretty good, and their job is to stop Tavares from doing things and being productive. So they're also they got a job to do, and they're doing it extremely well. But if you're JT, you know, you you got to do it a little bit better. You know, you got to do it a little bit better. Um, is what it is, in my opinion. Ah, uh, what about you? Anything else that uh, that you want to include in your bad? Yeah, because I mean, I don't really have much good to bring in. I know we do the good, bad, and the ugly. Um, the the bad for me, I mean, we haven't even brought his name up, but Justin Hall. Uh, yeah, that like you got a chance to start the game on a play where I don't know was he forced to make that pass to the that got that got turned over? No. Like that's the part that it's it's careless play like that you cannot have in the playoffs, and that's what he did. He's getting a chance to play after he missed the first two games of the series. He gets into game three, they win, so he no, there's no reason to take him out out of a winning lineup, and that and that's the reward. And like this is and it's I um Sheldon Keefe has gone to bat for Justin Hall. Because he knows the, because they won a title, they won a championship together in the AHL. So he's going to go for bat for him. But at some point, you can only defend the players so much. Did you see? uh, I sent you. I sent you. I got the clip. I got it pulled up. So before you pull, I guess why as you're pulling that up, Justin Hall lost out on the in in the shot share department. 5-11 Five to eleven tonight. Granted, only twenty percent of his O star of his starts are in the O zone, so a majority of them, he's already starting off the defensive end. Faceoffs weren't really the priority tonight for Toronto too too much. Uh, it seemed like at least it's not really actually not. They won sixty percent of the 
draws. It seemed like they it was more of a 50-50. So and they just ended up turning the puck over when they finally won the draw. I think was the problem. A lot of turnovers there. But uh, some pr- an interesting comment was made to Sheldon Keefe. This happened uh, after the game. Sheldon Keefe's press availability. This is a ballsy comment, Dave. You and I have both been in situations where we've been in these scrums post-game with games. I mean, ballsy to ask this question. Maybe a little bit offside, I would say. But uh, why don't we play it here if you got it pulled up? Yeah, once. Well, should probably have hit the share tab. <laughs> Hopefully the audio is working for this. Oh, no. Okay. No. Sheldon, we'll try. Uh, okay. Well, I, you can hear it, but it's very quiet. So oh, it's very fancy. So maybe let me see if I can give this a bit of a boost. One second here. I might even be able to do that. Well, the, <laughs> go ahead. The question was, uh, Sheldon, why did you start your worst defenseman tonight? Okay. That was the question. That well, was I think asked. that's the part we couldn't. This is why they need to mic up the reporters. I agree. Right, let's see if we can. Who's our worst defenseman? It's your opinion, I guess. So, yeah, it's a pretty. So I wonder who. I'm wondering who was asking that question. Pardon me, I can't. I, you can kind of hear the voice. Yeah, I don't know. Wondering, I don't know who. I'm wondering asked if that was Steve Simmons that asked that. <laughs> it kind of sounded like a Steve Simmons question, in my opinion. I mean, I'm not gonna put it out there and say for sure it was him. I don't know who it was. It could have been a Tampa reporter, honestly. I I don't know who that who that was. I'm not even gonna speculate, but um. If you may, yeah, so Sheldon, why would you start your worst defenseman in a building you know was going to be this loud? Sheldon responds, who is our worst defenseman? The response was Justin Hall. And Sheldon responds back saying, well, that's your opinion, I guess. So clearly, you know, Sheldon did not appreciate that. He's got to stick up for his guy. I mean, he has to do that, obviously. But I think even Sheldon would, would, would agree that, Justin Hall didn't have a great night, um, but neither did Giordano either, I thought. Like, those two as a pairing just didn't look that great. And then what was in the third period, I noticed that they switched him up. Hall ended up moving up to play with Morgan Riley, and Labushkin played with uh, with Gio. So they, that pairing, probably not going to be uh, going to be into in game five, I would think. Either Lilligren or perhaps Rasmus Sandin. Maybe checks into the lineup uh, potentially. I don't know, but I I'd be surprised if we see Justin Hall again in uh, in Game Five. All right, the good. What what was good, Dave? Come on, we gotta come up with something. Something had to be good there, pal. Big Muzzin has a good clapper. <laughs> yeah, Muzzin. Yeah, picks his corner I, there. That pairing. That pairing. I'm gonna say that pairing was yeah. was good tonight. They've been good all series long. Honestly, they've been fantastic. Um, and I thought they were they were good again, just both in, in the defensive end, uh, more so obviously. But then Muzzin getting a goal, Brody, you know, like Brody, he's such an unsung hero. But it, on a night where you give up seven goals and you lose the game seven three, and you're a plus player, and that's exactly what he was. He was a plus one on the night. That it's just, and you are the defensive defenseman shutdown who has a majority of his starts in the D zone. You you had a good night. Like honestly, you had a good night. And all plus minus, not the greatest stat, 
but it just legitimately means that for a guy who spends a majority of his time in the defensive zone and came out on top in the goal scoring while he's out there on the ice, at the end of the day, that is a good thing, especially when your team gets thumped seven, three. So whatever you want to say, however you want to call it, that is a positive in my books. Um, And then, yeah, Muzzin, I thought was, was pretty good tonight. Also outside of, I mean, even the goal that, that he was on the ice for it, it was just a bad bounce off his stick that went right out into the slot. You know, like it wasn't really his fault. It's a tough, tough bounce to take. Uh, but outside of that, I thought that Muzzin was was pretty solid as well. So that pairing, they've been really good. I thought Riley had some flashes where he was solid tonight, jumping up into the rush at times. Um, that that great belly slide to take away that two-on-one where he ends up dumping Sorelli afterwards. You know, I thought that was a good play just to kind of get back on that after a bad change. So outside of those, but uh, I mean, it wasn't terrific for a lot of people. That third line was fine tonight. I yeah, the third line was actually the only line that didn't get, didn't look, they looked presentable. Yes. Yeah. They came, they basically did what they, they did their job. They did their job, yeah. right? They're not expected to score every night. And on the nights that they don't, you need your stars to show up. And they didn't have, that just didn't happen, right? In game, in game three, on the night where the Stars didn't show up, your depth had to do it. You can't rely on that every game. Can't rely on that every game. So, yeah, that's the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, we got a couple of listener questions. Why don't we take a quick break, and then we'll get to these listener questions. Kind of, We'll kind of get our thoughts on the game uh, and tee up game five a little bit. We'll get more into it on the podcast tomorrow. But uh, regardless, before we get there, let me tell you about one of today's show sponsors. It's betonline.net. It's your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sport developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, and this weekend's run to the Roses. As the Kentucky Derby is back, actually it's over, and that was quite the Kentucky Derby, I might add. Uh, Bet Online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Yeah, Dave, if you would have bet, Bet Online, it, it, the rich strike was, I think it was 80 to 1. 80 to 1 long shot. 80 to 1, the longest shot on the track. And he pulls through in the final leg and somehow down the stretch pulls through like four or five horses to win the Kentucky Derby. It was outstanding to watch. Outstanding. Did you watch the overhead view of him? Yeah, dude, I just, I, I can't fathom how that guy, how that horse and, and, and the jockey were able to weave through all these horses and get themselves up and, and pass the leader and became the winners. It's just fantastic. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Go check it out. Uh, Rich Strike, congratulations, uh, and Sonny Leone, who I believe was the uh, the the jockey as well for that race. Um, not as good a night though for the Maple Leafs, right? Not not a great night for the Maple Leafs. They fall seven three to the Tampa Bay Lightning, and it's now a two two series heading back to Toronto for Game Five. We put out a question to our Discord uh, Discord channel. And if you're not involved with our Discord channel, um, what are you, you know, guys doing? Yeah, what are you doing? we had a great little community down there. Um, you can also post questions on these videos as well on YouTube. Yeah. You can reach out to us on Twitter, however you want to engage with us. And, and you know, love putting in, you know, having those conversations 
with the fans, but the Discord, we got a good little family that we're setting up there. Good conversations and group chats for diehard Leaf fans. Um, and Blue 13 tonight asked us, how come this team has zero killer instinct or ability to read the room and play to the level that it takes to win crucial games? Also, when will JT show up and lead, lead like a captain should? You want to take that one first, Dave? Oh, man. Um... I mean, the end of the day, I don't think we know the answer for why this team has no killer instincts. Obviously, if we did, we probably could try and change that. Yeah, like, <laughs> but it's the thing, right? It's it's probably the one thing Kyle Dubas has tried to to solve the last few years. He's tried to get veteran players that can step up in the playoffs. What it comes down to, ladies and gentlemen, in my opinion, it's two things. It's one, goaltending can be a big thing because they can stand on your head and keep the other, basically frustrate the other team into. You know, like what Andre Vasilevsky has done the last few years. The second, your star players have to have that killer instinct in that they know how important the game is. They're going to put their stamp on the game. And we haven't seen that from, look, we, we bring up John Tavares and William Nylander. We give them a lot of grief. But Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews shouldn't be exempt from that because they are also being paid a lot of money and they are also asked to produce. It was fine that they were... They, they Not just off. at home either, Dave. Not just at home. They got to do yeah. it on the road when they're in tougher conditions, right? Like the first couple of games, we're singing their praises. Off their back, Mitch Marner, he scored in back-to-back games. They look like a solid team. You know, they their playoff demons have they been exercised? And then they went on the road, and the matchup, uh, they you know the line matching started, and Cooper got to put the guys on them that he wanted on them to shut them down, and they haven't really responded in the way that. Guys who have a killer instinct uh, should and would. So, yeah, we do need to put them also on blast a little bit to, to figure something out before game five or if they have when they go back to Tampa for game six, because that's already a guarantee with this one being tied at two. No, for sure. Like, and, and we, you see it time and time again with like a guy like Victor Hedman. What do I would kill to have Victor Hedman on the Leafs right now? He's exactly what the Leafs need right now. Yeah. But there's only one Victor Hedman out there. Right. Unfortunately, yes. There's only one Victor Hedman. I'll take a, I'll take a Vasilevsky if you want. I mean, like, that guy's just dominant, especially coming off of losses. But, look, that's a team that does have killer instinct. They learned how to how to win, um, win the big game. They learned how to, you know, read the room and – play up to the level that it takes to win the crucial games that exactly what blue 13 on our discord is asking the Maple Leafs to do. Well, Tampa's done that and they're showing exactly what it means to go out and win those games. Toronto's yet to respond in that way. Um, next question from Shava underscore XP. What changes will you do for game five? If you were Sheldon, because been honest, this game was a mess. Yeah, I would think there would be some changes. I think um, so. Justin Hall probably coming out. Well, he should he should come out whether he will? I think he will. I think you know what the only thing that makes me think maybe not, and and, and either Hall or Labushkin are coming out. One of those two guys are coming out. The fact that when he juggled up the defensive pairings in the third period. You put Hall up with Morgan Riley. I don't know if that's 
he feels comfortable with that uh, being the case. You know, Hall and Riley, they had favorable numbers, you know, in the regular season together, to be quite honest with you. But I, that's not something that I would feel overly comfortable with in, in, in a game, to be quite honest. But that, that's the only thing that makes me feel like it might not be Hall. But overall, if I had to pick one, I think it's it's Justin Hall coming out and probably Lilligren going in. A couple of games up in the press box to watch and see exactly – you know, what's going on and get himself back into it. There was a slight chance we could see Rasmus Sandin enter the chat. A slight chance. He was activated off IR a couple of days ago. If there's any time you want to bring him in, now might be it. Perhaps going back to Toronto, you know, he won't be able to get exposed and picked on in Tampa Bay on the road. Um, so that that's the only other possible person on the blue line who or possible change on the blue line we could see. It would be interesting to see if maybe a Kyle Clifford finds his way back into the lineup as well tonight um, or on will it be Tuesday night. Yeah, on Tuesday night. We'll see. But that's it. I, I think uh, maybe two more lineup changes and I don't, uh, it won't be anything drastic, I don't think. Yeah, some some are wondering. I know James Myrtle kind of put out that Michael Bunting's knee isn't exactly in great shape. No, and I think that's why we saw him on the fourth line. On the fourth line. If Michael Bunting's not at 100%, I don't think he's nearly as effective. And he, uh, Kerfoot's probably more effective than a, a less than 100% Bunting up on that top line. Honestly, it's it's true. But if you look at the numbers, um, they ended up getting put together at some point tonight. Uh, Matthews, Marner, and uh, Michael Bunting. But again, it, it, it still did not go well. They played three minutes, 25 seconds together at five on five and didn't get anything going. Not a single scoring chance. Uh, they have one scoring chance, mind me. One scoring chance the entire time they were together. Not a high danger one, so just a little one. And they were actually uh, out shot one to three. Or three to one, I guess, in shot attempts. So it didn't even go good when they were back together either. It, again, I get you know what? It's always like, oh, who's that third guy you want to be there? It's got your star players have to drive things a little bit more. Like that, like it's gotta be on Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner to figure it out. We see we all thought this was gonna be different because of what they were doing in the regular season. I still think it can be different. But it's on them to show that they're that they've changed that things are going to be different because it's not looking good right now. No, it's really not. It's really not. But uh, let's end this thing on a positive, Dave. They're coming back to to Toronto with a split in Tampa Bay. That's all we actually asked for, right? Yes. We only wanted we just make sure you get a split when you come back. We'd feel a lot better if the games were reversed, probably, and they came out and tied it with a, a big-time win like they did on Friday night. So, obviously, a bit of a sour taste in the mouth going back to Toronto with a 7-3 loss. But at the end of the day, they got the victory. They're going back to Toronto, and they still got home ice advantage, right? Two of the next three games can be in Toronto, and they'll have a chance to win on home ice, right? So, that's, uh, that's the positive of this weekend. I think you can still be happy uh, with Toronto, uh, you know, you want the stars to show up and for them to get going. Here's a positive thing, too. And by the way, we did a uh, a podcast on 
YouTube on Friday night for those who are listening to this via audio. So you can go and check that out actually on YouTube. It was kind of a YouTube exclusive post game after Friday night's game. But uh, if you want to know more about our thoughts from Friday, I guess since we spent all of today talking about Sunday's game. But at the end of the day, I think a big thing you could take away is the stars aren't going for this club. And they're still tied at two apiece in the series. If they can get going, this will be a totally different team. And I think you'll have a good outcome. That's kind of my half glass full approach is once you get these guys going, hopefully they do, you know, they could stay cold the rest of the series and it's another first round exit. But if something can, you know, if they can flip a switch, almost like we saw in the third period, right? You kind of saw in the third period, Nylander flip a bit of a switch. You saw Tavares getting a little bit better. He had a nice stretch pass for that goal for Willie Nylander. You know, you're seeing a little bit uh, of, of a difference from these guys in the third Hopefully that can carry into it. They're pissed off. They want to win. If they can get going, this team's got a good chance. I'll I'll say that. Yeah, no, that's the pot. Like if you're looking for a positive, the Leafs are tied in this series, and we're talking about all these things that haven't gone well, and they're tied. Like they're not down three one. They're not down th- like they're they got a chance to win. They still have the advantage. Just stay out of the box. At the end of the day, stay out of the box. Let these guys get warmed up at five on five, and then they could get cooking. Honestly, I truly believe that is going to be the difference in games five, six, and seven. Who can stay out of the box uh, more? Because that that's that's been the case. Like whoever's made the trip to the sin bin more is losing that game, right? So. That's going to be the difference, I think. Special teams, I always said, was going to be an X factor in this series, and it's turned out to be just that. Um, if it's not by legitimately goals being scored, it's by keeping the the stars of the opposition on the bench and allowing them to go cold, so that they're ineffective at five on five. You know, it's it's it it works in in a couple of different ways. But game five, I'm excited for it. Uh, and tomorrow uh, morning, we'll come up with a new episode for y'all here at Locked On Lease, where we'll preview and tee that game up for you guys. But that's going to do it for us here tonight. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Lease podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs. We'll be back with our episode tomorrow morning. But until then, keep locked right here on Locked On Leafs.